My name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. One of the great Marian prayers that we have, uh, in addition to the rosary and other uh, scripted prayers, is the Litany of Loretto. And the Litany of Loretto goes through lots of different titles of Our Lady in which we invoke her intercession under those titles. And each title usually has a little history behind it, uh, a very beautiful prayer. So I encourage people to pray it, but also then to learn more about these titles, especially those that kind of might resonate with you, that speak to you. And uh, today I'm very excited to be speaking with Dr. Jerry Crete, uh, who is a marriage and family therapist and professional counselor specializing in the treatment of trauma and addictions, as well as marriage counseling. He is also the co-founder of Souls and Hearts, which is an online platform providing mental health education to Catholics through courses. So he has written a new book with Sophia Institute Press called Litany of the Heart. And today he's here to discuss that topic with us. So thanks so much, Dr. Jerry, for joining me today. Pleasure to be here. And let, let's just maybe talk a little bit about your background. So uh, you have a PhD, you are a marriage and family therapist, you focus on mental health. So uh, how do you integrate your Catholic faith and beliefs in your practice then? Of course, it manifested itself uh, through this uh, mental health platform you have, Souls and Hearts. Uh, but yeah, how does your faith inform, I guess, everything you do in terms of your profession? Yes, yes. Well, um, I also have a private practice called Transfiguration Counseling, and we're a group practice of Catholic therapists. And so I primarily work with Catholic clients, and uh, we work out of various parishes. So uh, the number one thing would simply be, first of all, that we provide counseling that f for people who want to know that their therapist or their counselor really understands their faith and respects their faith. And so we're never going to, you know, uh, you know, s suggest uh, a divorce or abortion or anything contrary to the faith. And um, so, so first of all, there's just that context. But I'm also really blessed because when the clients are interested in this, um, I can bring to bear our spiritual resources, including Our Lady when appropriate, uh, in through the therapeutic process. And a lot of the therapeutic work I do is experiential. And so we try to bring prayer into it and allow uh, those spiritual resources to have a place within the total healing of the person. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, so speaking of your book, Litanies of the Heart, and uh, I, I'm sure as a, a doctor, then as a counselor, you kind of ex you see the the movement of people's hearts and kind of what's causing them trouble. And I, I'm sure that kind of informs then uh, this book that you have written. But maybe just to set the scene uh, before moving in there, you know, there's this Instagram account and sometimes they create litanies. And I think they're very beautiful uh, litanies that they've crafted. Uh, litanies are special because they have little mantras. So, you know, with the litany of Loretto, we say pray for us or, you know, uh, with uh, with the litany of humility, we say, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. So there's kind of uh, a main statement, a versicle, then there's the response. And that's, you know, we're praying for that versicle to really be our response and really to be ingrained within our heart. I'm just curious, are there any litanies that have been very uh, significant in your own devotional life? 
uh, mm. saints or, or to the Lord or to the Blessed Mother? Yes, yeah. For me, a litany to the Sacred Heart has been very influential. I love that litany. Um, litany of the saints in general, <laughs> I love. So I've always been very fond of litanies. And I had a wonderful book by Tan Books that had like, I don't know how many hundreds of litanies in it, uh, both for public and private devotion. So I've always been fascinated with them. And I used to uh, I worked for another uh, Catholic practice in the past uh, named after the Holy Family, and I wrote a litany to the Holy Family uh, for the practice, basically for therapists to pray. And so, uh, and I enjoy poetry, I enjoy <laughs> uh, writing. And so when the idea came to write these, these particular litanies, I, I was just on fire about it. I was really excited uh, to approach them. Yeah. So uh, what inspired you then to uh, put pen to paper metaphorically? Of course, it's fingers to keyboards. But uh, how do you come about saying, I want to write uh, this book? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I work, uh, as you mentioned, with Souls and Hearts, which is this online platform with we have courses and podcasts and various various online resources. And my partner is Dr. Peter Malinowski, who's a psychologist in Indiana. And he was talking about, you know, how cool it would be to have a litanies for our website. And because he liked that idea. And I said, I've written litanies before. And then I so I was, you know, sitting with that idea. And what came to me was how can we bring in some aspect of of uh, psychology, appropriate psychology uh, to bear in our faith and what came to me was the attachment theory. And uh, if, if you or any of the listeners don't know, attachment theory is, is an, an amazing approach um, to understanding the person and understanding human development that w from a young age, a child, a baby bonds with a mother, right? Without even words. And that attachment is so necessary for human growth and development. And that through your life, you grow and create secure and safe attachments. Uh, and, and that fosters all sorts of um, positive, relational, positive, emotional um, being and all this. And so I was thinking, how can we help people come to, to know Jesus as our secure attachment figure, the ultimate secure attachment figure? And so uh, in, 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 the, uh, in attachment theory, there are different insecure attachment styles that people adopt when they've because of course we're human, we're in a fallen world. As we grow up, our parents or other caregivers can, you know, they may not mean to, but can fail us or we can, we can develop insecure attachment. So we can be avoidant or we can be reactive or we can have some combination. And so I identified like three areas, three types of insecure attachment. And so I identified them with three different ways in which the heart is predisposed toward God. And one is that, and, and so one of the litanies is called the litany of the closed heart. And so that is where the person is avoidant, right? avoids God, avoids others. Then there's a, a litany of the wounded heart. And that's where the person is very, possibly very anxious, you know, very, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, hurt. And so you're, you're anxious around other people. And then there's the, uh, the litany of the fearful heart. And that is where the person is just, they go between being avoidant and being anxious with others and with God, ultimately. So each prayer is designed to be, it begins with the insecure place that we've all been in. We've all been avoidant. We've all been reactive. 
different times. And it starts with the, uh, the, the place of insecurity. And as the litany moves on, you, you grow into a deeper, deeper connection with God. And so like you were saying, the responses do change to eventually like where it's a crying out to God to, to listen. And then at the end, it's like, hold me, be with me. And so the litany moves you from insecurity to security. Yeah, I like that notion of hold me. Uh, I think sometimes you see this uh, and, and maybe artwork helps us to identify with, put ourselves in that place. But you see that uh, tender holding of Jesus, of someone, you know, whether it's the sinner that comes back or even you could draw on the scriptures and you can see how Jesus held these people and brought them to a place of hope that if their hearts were closed or if they were anxious that he brought them to a place where they were open and less afraid. So yeah, that's definitely uh, a beautiful image, even not just words, but the image of Jesus holding me as well uh, to, to pray with that. Yes, absolutely. And so when it, that we have the litanies and they're available on the souls and hearts, uh, com website, that you can just download them We're, and we, you can also order them. We have these nice little, um, uh, you know, trifold little glossy uh, litanies that people can, can order. And there's, we're just asking for people to pay for shipping and, and the, the basic cost of it, but you can also just download them. But, and we have audio versions as well. So if you're praying, cause you know, it's nice to pray a litany with somebody, you can do that by yourself, but it, so if you want to pray along with the audio version, both in English and in Spanish, it's all there. So, so we, we made these litanies and, and they, they've gained some popularity. Many people pray them and love them. And then that led me to think about um, expanding it into this book. And so what the book is all about is really helping people who've experienced uh, trauma, which is all of us, <laughs> and who've experienced anxiety in their lives, which I think is all of us. And some of us have had, you know, have more severe trauma, more severe disorder, but everyone has experienced some level of it. And so the book goes through the process of understanding and healing and working with the part, I would say, the, call it the parts of our self-system. So that's a psychological approach that's secular called internal family systems and ego state therapy are two different approaches that look at the parts of the self-system. And so as I was, you know, and I love this approach, I've, I've, I've been using it, it's been powerful with clients, but I've been asking myself, well, what about the Catholic philosophy behind this? What about the anthropology? Is this sound? And so that led me into this whole exploration in, in terms of you know searching through the, the biblical texts, searching through the saints, various saints, to understand is the idea that we have a core or an inmost self and multiple parts within us, within our soul, is that sound from a Catholic perspective? And so the book uh, attempts to uh, really flesh that out and how in fact it is. And so, and but how you have to adapt um, the secular approaches to be in line with the church's teachings and the biblical approach. And so, so that is, is what the book is all about. I think we often hear about the wounded heart. You know, Henry Nowen wrote that book, The Wounded Healer. Uh, when spiritual directors these days are meeting with spiritual directees, they often will talk about wounded hearts. And uh, for a lot of people, they might have a father wound. So the father was absent in their life. Maybe their father was abusive, manipulative. 
Uh, maybe there's a mother wound that that maybe their mother didn't love them as, you know, our experience of mothers or what we perceive the experience of a mother loving their child should be. You know, so I actually would say I have both those wounds, right? So my father was absent when I separated before I was born. So there is that absent father wound in my heart and not having been loved or appreciated by a father figure like that. Of course, other people kind of take that role then you identify and at different stages in your life. You know, somebody, maybe a youth minister or the parish priest was a good father figure. Now, you know, there's two individuals. They've taken me hunting and fishing. They've taught me all this stuff that I never had as a kid. So they've kind of become replacement fathers. My mother was a single mother then. She worked two jobs. My grandmother pretty much raised me, even though we all lived in the same home. Uh, but a lot of people will often ask me, they'll say, well, Father, when did your devotion to Our Lady begin? And mm -hmm. I often will tell them, I think it's because of the lack of maternal love I experienced from my mother, that when I heard the story of Our Lady and her messages and apparitions, uh, when I learned about her, I realized, well, she can make up for what was lacking and that love that I didn't have, that maternal affection. So I think that's why I gravitated uh, towards uh, a love of Mary and all things Marian. So uh, maybe could you just share a little bit about the wounded heart? And we often hear this, preachers like talking about this uh, at times, maybe like Trinity Sunday or something like that. But like how sometimes when we approach God the Father, that our relationship with our father might affect that. So, so if I have that wounded relationship with my father, I might not be able to relate that much to God as father. So how do you see the wounded heart in relationship to the Trinity? But even then, you know, just as I shared kind of the wounded heart in terms of a mother uh, that, that uh, I, I turned to our lady. So could, could you speak a little bit about kind of the spiritualization of the wounded heart? Yes, absolutely. Well, one way that we look at this from, you know, from uh, internal family systems or ego state therapy approach is to understand that we have a part of ourselves that at some point in our development was in fact wounded, right? Like you were saying, like maybe it's an absent father, maybe it was an abusive parent, maybe it was an, a whatnot, uh, some kind of wound happened. And the, the approach there is to understand that at that time, let's say you were 10, that there's almost like a part of you that is frozen at 10 that never got what that 10 year old needed right maybe maybe dad disappeared or something like this and and so that 10 year old is still searching for for a father to love him and to affirm him and to to want to spend time with him and so there's a sense in which there's a part of us that is still 10. you know you sometimes you hear about like an inner child that kind of thing and so the 10 year old is kind of there still and so even though you might be 20 or 30 or 40 or whatnot um, there is a, a 10 year old part that can sometimes show up, right? And we're not fully conscious of it and it's influencing our emotions. Maybe we're triggered, like we get, we have a response, you know, like uh, that, that maybe doesn't completely make sense to, to our adult self, right? Why am I emotional right now? Or why am I angry? Or why am I feeling hurt? And it's that 10 year old part. And so what the approach that we take here is we want to connect with that wounded heart or that 10 year old's part, for example, we want to give that part whatever he needs that he always needed. And now, at, now at our, as an adult, it can't be mom or dad. And, and to some extent, it could be somebody, it might be that someone else 
right? You know, like you were saying, like a, a, a priest or a, um, a, a coach or somebody has helped with that and to help heal that wound. But it may not be complete. It's never going to be completely healed except through God. And so ultimately what we're wanting to do there is to bring our, we would, I would say, inmost self, our core self, and, and with the graces received through Christ to, to love and heal this, this, this wounded, wounded part. And in the book, I have a little vignette at the beginning of every chapter. It's just a little short thing that is kind of like what you were describing, like a little example of somebody being hurt by their parent or some experience. And, and then I walk through the psychology of it, the scripture of it, and then an experiential prayer or meditation to help bring the person into that connection uh, for healing to happen. And I, if it's all right, I'll give one example. There was one, it wasn't a child wound, but although this person had other child traumas, but one of the vignettes in the book is uh, a woman who, uh, about a woman who um, had a traumatic birth experience, like from, she was, she was pregnant and, and she gave birth, but she felt like the nurses were cold. She felt like, uh, you know, uh, it was um, it was clinical and she didn't feel cared for and she was in distress and no one cared. And she gave birth to this baby. She had to be put out and she didn't remember. And she was upset because she wanted a natural birth. And so and, and, and then when they brought the baby to her, she she felt like she felt psychologically in some way like this is is this really my baby? I don't even feel connected. And so we did. So we're working therapeutically with her. And in this approach of internal family systems, when we're connecting with her and the part of her that was in so much distress and so much, you know, and, and so as we're entering into it, um, the, the, the process, I won't get into the therapeutic process completely, but there's a point where, inv where we're able to invite, you know, or notice anything, um, you know, basically God's presence. And, in, and this lady had a very deep devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And then in the process of the therapy, she said, you know, because we're, we're we're encountering her in the moment when she was coming into the into the labor room, and she was there, and and she was starting to feel distress. And then she said, um, "I exper I experienced Our Lady of Guadalupe showing up." And in fact, there were multiple. There was a Our Lady was there comforting her. There was Our Lady was there delivering the baby. Our Lady was there, and and through this experience, therapeutic experience, and I would say prayer experience, she. Um, she was able to reconnect with her baby and through our, our and I see it as our lady's grace worked in that moment. So I just felt as a therapist, like so blessed and privileged to be doing this work in a Catholic context. So unlike I could do in another context. So that's an example. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely incredible. And, you know, for her to experience really, that's the maternal presence of our lady and to see our lady of Guadalupe who says, you know, am I here who am not your mother, you know, I am your mother. And so here I am with you and she's with her suffering children. And so that's very beautiful that, that that's how it all kind of uh, went on for her and how she experienced that the grace of healing and uh, was able uh, to move forward uh, with our lady uh, towards healing. Uh, you know, I think we often talk a lot about uh, our wounded hearts, but I think maybe something we don't necessarily speak about because it means that, we even have to do further introspection than just noticing the wound personally. But I think sometimes we are the wounders. So sometimes we inflict the wound upon someone else. And mm -hmm. there, there's this one memory of mine that I know that I was the wounder, that I, I said something very hurtful to a person. And, uh, you know, it's bothered me ever since. 
uh, I know how badly and deeply it hurt that person. And, and, and so like I've prayed personally that the Lord would heal that person's hurt and wound. I've reached out a few times, actually. We kind of reconciled. Uh, the, obviously, there's no friendship there, but but there's some sort of, uh, you know, closure, at least with it. Uh, but a person, you know, if I see their Facebook posts or whatever, uh, I'm like, that's a person I hurt. That's a person who needs my prayer. So how do we work through the fact that maybe someone else's heart is wounded because of us? Yeah, yeah. Hope brings out so much that I could say on that. It's a great question. Um, first, I would say um, this. I've been exploring a little Thomistic philosophy and uh, to really understand this and the complexity of our inner world. And St. Thomas talks about having to love oneself properly before you can truly love others or even God ultimately. And so really got me thinking, what does it mean to love yourself? Because when I have a part of me that is reactive and possibly could harm or hurt somebody else, maybe with words or behaviors of some kind, maybe it's even an addictive behavior that then harms other people or like your example of uh, something you said. Um, it really is about a part of ourselves usually that is afraid of something and is trying to protect us in some way, right? So I don't know the exact example, but you know, maybe somebody said something or did something and it triggered us and we felt like we had to protect ourselves. So I always look at, all right, when that part of you was being reactive to somebody else, what was the real motivation there? What, and I'm not saying it was a healthy response at all, but what was the motivation? Because it might have been some perception that I have to protect or um, something. And so if you can connect with yourself love yourself enough to actually explore that and ask, you know, the, the way I look at it is asking the part of yourself, like what, when you, uh, the idea of not responding negatively, like whatever, not having a sharp tongue or not being critical or something, what were you afraid would happen if you didn't take that harsh tone? Ooh, what was I afraid of? Maybe I was afraid that they would think something about me or they would, you know, um, think, you know, um, think I was weak or, or, or take, they might try to take advantage of me. I, who knows, right? And so whatever it is, you go, okay, so your intention, my intention, really, it's part of me, uh, the intention was to do something protective and good, but you did it in a way that was actually harmful to, to yourself as well as to this other person. So loving me would mean, okay, how, how can I um still protect myself if there's a need without harming others and without harming myself and so it's the therapy there would be to explore that and to uh, figure that out and work with the part and figure out well what is there a burden that this part of me is carrying right that that makes me want to be so defensive or makes me want to be so critical of others what is that burden and can i work with myself to relieve, you know, relieve myself of that burden so that I'm freed up to not have to be harsh or critical or whatever, whatever it was. Does that make sense a little bit or? Yeah, definitely. So when you're raising these questions, like what was it in me that I reacted that way? Is that something you recommend someone maybe take to a holy hour to prayer before the blessed sacrament? Uh, mm -hmm. How are they answering that question? What context? 
Yeah. So of course I'm doing it with people in therapy. <laughs> so in the therapeutic context, I'm helping people get to know and love the parts of their self system. Right. So we have like, there's a part of me that's a doer, right? The manager, I, I, I take care of life. You know, I, I figure out, I do tasks, I take care of things, I'm busy, right? And that's great. You know, we all need a, a Martha part, right? And then I have another part that, um, you know, I, I know I have some wounded parts too, right? That have had to experience a lot of healing. So I have those and I have, but, but sometimes we have a part and in internal family systems, we call them firefighters. Uh, but they're really protectors in the sense that they leap in to prevent us from feeling shame, from feeling fear, or from feeling pain. And so they leap in and all they care about, like a firefighter is like, let's get this fire out. Let's take, handle this and manage it. And they don't really care about your house, like your drapes or your door or your carpet. They're just gonna come in and do what they have to do to make the pain go away. So those parts, some of them can be like an addiction, right? So for some people, it might, might be alcohol, drugs, or some other thing that, that is addiction. Or sometimes it can be that critical or harsh or, 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 some, or something. But usually those parts of our system don't really care about what other people think in that moment. Whereas our, I have other parts of me, the doer, the one that's the therapist part of me, or the, the really do care what other people think. And so I have this internal battle going on possibly with between these different parts and they're all trying to protect me from 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 various pains and shame and all this and i think that's what saint paul talks about when he says i do what i do not want to do or what saint james talks about is this war within right and 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 so i think that's really like our internal battle and what we're wanting to do is connect with our own parts and so i often ask people in between sessions yeah to go and and sit in adoration do a holy hour and sit in adoration and just try to connect with all these different parts of you inside of you get to know your interior world and jot down if you can like maybe you want to just jot down what you notice you know or some people draw them some people see their parts like they close their eyes and they can actually picture their parts but some people can't and they just sort of sense the presence but either way you just you can draw it you can write it down but you're just sort of getting to know your interior world and and i find people it's amazing what happens because when you're all your very part your various parts are loved and understood and helped and they're connected with your saint paul calls it the inmost self and you're connected with that core spiritual center it's unbelievable how how the the human person experiences that integration they experience that unity within um it's just amazing how much better people feel how much better they're able to pray how much better they're able to relate to other people how much happier they are it's 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 phenomenal and what's the role of the sacraments? So let's look at like the sacrament of reconciliation, penance. Uh, that that obviously is a sacrament for the heart. It's a sacrament for opening our heart to receive God's graces, to receive that forgiveness. So have you seen the sacrament of reconciliation powerfully at work in the lives of some of your clients? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, it's an interesting thing, right? Because when I talk about parts, sometimes people are like, blame the part. Yeah, it's not really totally me. It's just this part that ran out and, you know, had this affair or did this thing. And I'm like, okay, no, you can't do that. <laughs> it's the whole human person that wills and makes the choice, including uh, their, their, their self and all their parts. So it's a whole human person. And so, um, but we bring our parts, right? Even our wounded parts or our addictive parts or our troubled parts, we, we, we bring them with us 
right into the sacraments i i i see that obviously reconciliation is is so profound um i would even encourage people to say you know um uh you know there's a part of me that really struggled with this and you know and in another part of me feels really shame about it so like you can the multidimensional aspect of the person being able to bring that into the sacrament and receive absolution the whole person all the parts the self all receive and i even talk about can you bring the part of you that you don't like maybe you don't like that child part that was that 10 year old for some reason and we will we'll work on that but can you bring that part of you to communion can you bring the part of you yes maybe after receiving obviously after receiving absolution but can you bring that part of you that that, that you might sometimes not like, can you bring that to communion so that all of you is receiving our Lord? You mentioned this threefold movement in your book, looking at the closed heart, looking then at uh, the wounded heart, and then the anxious heart. So do you see that as a movement? Like maybe someone is very closed hearted at first, then God opens their heart, and then they explore their wounds. And then maybe they see their woundedness and they have all of this anxiety. Are the three hearts connected in some way or are, do you view them as different aspects of the hearts? Yeah, I kind of, I would view them as three different parts of the person's self system. Um, so, <clears throat> but, but I mean, it's not, you could have various parts of the self, more than one that's wounded, wounded in different ways. Um, and, and so on. So I, I would see them as connected. And when all of your parts receive whatever healing they need. So if an anxious part receives that sense of security and calm and peace in Christ, and, and the wounded heart is able to receive, you know, the affirmation and the love and so on. So then then those those three parts, let's say, are in harmony with each other, with the whole person. And there's just a sense, I, I kind of see it like, um, you know, like an orchestra playing in harmony, like all of a sudden, you, they're different. You've got tubas and you've got wind and uh, string instruments and various things, and they're all, but they're playing in harmony. And what you discover is that each of those parts has an important function for the whole person. It's like the body of Christ, like St. Paul talks about each body part in the body of Christ having an important role, right? And, and in the same way, and within our system, we have different parts that have important roles. They're distinct. Uh, they're not ontologically separate beings or anything. Uh, they're just aspects of the self, but but they're distinct and and beautiful in their own ways. One of the things that I like about litanies, one of the things I, I like about these litanies you're referencing is that I think a lot of times in our prayer, we just need to be direct. We need to name these things. We need to ask God for the grace that, you know, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. So I should ask for the grace of healing. I should ask for God to open my heart. I should ask God to heal my wounded heart, ask for peace. And so that's really, you know, in the little mantras that we respond to a different petition in the litany, well, that's us asking, that's us knocking on the door of heaven, asking the Lord to do these things. And and that's really, I think, your hope is that as people make their way through litanies of the heart, that they will experience a profound change of heart. That as uh, I think it's Ezekiel that says that the Lord will take away our stony hearts and will give us new hearts. And uh, that's really what we want the Lord to do is to give us a new heart, to give us a loving heart. And uh, is that your hope for Litanies of the Heart? Or what's your hope as someone picks up the book and reads and prays with it? 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would see, yeah, to have a new heart, I would say um, <clears throat> that, that all the burdens on the heart are lifted and relieved. And so all of the parts of the person are able to kind of sing in unison. And there's a sense of integrity and unity for that person. St. Thomas calls it self-governance, which sounds a little clinical or something, but it really is like self-friendship. Like you're, you're in, you're, you're, this is a loving relationship in your heart. And so then when, when you feel that unity, when, when all of your parts and their burdens are lifted, then you really, you're freed up to love other people. You're freed up to love God more fully than you ever could before. And to me, that's the new heart at work. That's the new heart that's liberated. Um, just love it so much. Well, your new book, Dr. Jerry, is Litanies of the Heart. It's available from Sophia Institute Press. You can head on over to their website or your local Catholic bookstore, wherever you buy Catholic books is where you can get a copy of your book. But you have a lot of different ministries and apostolates. So if people want to learn more about you and the work you're doing, maybe they want to do one of these mental health check-ins through your online platform or something. How can they discover you? Well, you can go to soulsandhearts.com and there access all of our resources, the podcast courses. We have a weekly newsletter that's rich with uh, philosophy, theology, psychology, all you get something every week. Um, so we have that. My own uh, private practice, transfiguration, counseling and coaching. We have Catholic therapists and coaches available to help people as well. And we're all IFS informed and trauma informed and, and uh, take a spiritual approach. Yeah. So this counseling that you guys offer, is this done online? Is it like an online platform? Uh, because, you know, uh, I, I listen to a lot of secular podcasts. They're always talking about better help. So are you like the Catholic version of better help? <laughs> I don't know if we're that big, but we're, we're, we have physical presence in Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Uh, but we can also do, um, we do have therapists that are licensed in California, New York, and Texas as well that can do online work. And their Catholic coaches um, can do work nationally and internationally. Well, so. that's wonderful. Well, I encourage people to check out your websites and uh, it will help them to have a more healthy and holy heart as we continue to pursue the heart of Jesus. So thanks so much, doctor, for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks to be nice to be with you.